today on Anchored in the Word. Perfect love cast out all fear. You know that God loves you? God loves you. Nothing's going to happen to you that the love of your soul doesn't allow to happen to you. There's always a purpose for the Christian when something happens to us. We may not understand it when it happens. We may never understand it on this side of heaven. He's got something better than understanding for us. He's got the peace that surpasses understanding. This is Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey, with our pastor and teacher, Bill Beckelman. Fear can drive a person to take measures according to what they think they can do. It's a fleshly instinct to try and manipulate a situation or react to a feeling instead of going immediately to God. Pastor Bill is going to help us to understand how we can do that as we face challenges in life we can be assured in God's faithfulness. At the close of Pastor Bill's message, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Anchored in the Word. Subscribe to the podcast or simply get in touch with us. Now here's Pastor Bill with today's edition of Anchored in the Word. Now we don't always pray right. And it's a good thing that every prayer we prayed wasn't answered the way that we prayed it. Right? That's true. And some would say, well, God didn't answer my prayer. Yes, he did. He just didn't say yes to what you wanted. He did answer, though. But prayer connects us with the Lord. Now, he says this. He says, finally, brethren, pray for us. That shows you right there that Paul was not thinking that he had this whole thing figured out. You know, he planted all these churches. He was the great apostle Paul, you know, and and God was using him in a mighty way. Those things are true. But he wasn't trusting in himself. But he did trust in God. And that was what gave him the powerful ministry that he had. He trusted in the Lord. He really did. He was entrusted in himself, his life to the Lord. Everything. He was all in, Paul was. You know what I mean? He was all in. No turning back. And he said, brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. But he realized, I need people to be praying for us. And the us he's talking about, by the way, are found in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy. Pray for us. We're in the ministry, man. We need your prayers. We need your prayers. You know, the things that we're involved in. By the way, all the churches in the ministry. Do you realize that we are involved as a group? Don't look just to the leadership in the church. We're all involved as a group that there's a place called heaven and a place called hell. And and as life goes on, people are heading to one of those two places in eternity. And God, is in, he's empowered us. He has employed us, entrusted us in this process to have a, a say in or a place in this idea of presenting the gospel to keep people from perishing. I mean, it's one thing to be a lifeguard on the beach. I, I can't imagine, you know, that responsibility. You know, you could, somebody could lose their physical life if the lifeguard was not paying attention, right? Serious matter. But we're involved in something even more serious than that. We're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about eternity. Think about that for a second. And those 
thoughts in that way, wow, can I open your eyes? We need to have confidence in God, not in our own abilities, a confidence in God. Through prayer comes confidence in God, not the confidence of man. Now, the second thing that he's going to mention, he says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. There it is. That's what Paul saw. That's what he experienced when he went to Thessalonica. What did he do? He went to the synagogue and he preached Jesus. He was just basically telling them about Jesus as the Messiah, what he did for, in my life and what he wants to do in your life. He's the fulfillment of the law. He's the Messiah. That's what he was teaching. That's what he was preaching. And it was the word of God. And he saw it swiftly transform these people's lives. That's my testimony. That's Santos' testimony. It wasn't Calvary Rants that transformed his life. It wasn't a program that transformed his life. It was Jesus Christ, his word. The power of his word transforms lives. Paul saw that in his own life, and he realized when he preached it, man, he saw the word of God. And, he, and by the way, even though he left, the word of God stayed there and continued to do its work. Powerful. The word of God is called in the Bible a seed. Planting seeds, right? Planting seeds. I've been looking at this movie about Back to Eden movie. Check it out, by the way, if you get a chance. It's awesome. This idea of soil and the idea of planting a seed. Think of it this way for a moment. This idea of having confidence in God. The farmer, the gardener, has a bit of confidence in somebody. Maybe it's the ground, but it's misplaced because God made the ground. He made man from the ground. And he made the seed, and you take the seed and you stick it in there, and miraculous things happen. You know, it's below the ground, this whole thing of the seed. You could study seeds for, for all time, and it's unbelievable. It's a miracle, the thing, this seed. It comes up, this plant comes from that seed. And as it continues to grow, and the things in the soil, the, just the right moistness, and even the darkness, and even probably the heat to a degree, cause this whole thing. It just planted in that right environment, and now pops this thing and I believe we can actually eat it and nourishes our bodies, some of the things that come from these seeds. But everything that's happening, you put the seed under the ground, you can't see it. It's underground. you you got to trust in someone else to make that whole thing happen. You know, yeah, the farmer, can he can fertilize, he can prep the ground, he can, I don't know, whatever you do else to try and do the best thing you can. But then there comes a time when you got to take that seed and you just got to put it in the ground and leave it be and trust. And by the way, seeds do pretty well. God made them that way, and, and he's, I believe he's going to handle that whole process. But that's what God's teaching us to do with our own lives, with our kids, with whoever else, the things that are going on in our lives. It's like, okay, you plant a seed, and you let God do what God's got to do. Let God be God. And the Word of God is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. This is what the Bible says. This is how Paul, and he knew this verse, Isaiah 55, 11, regarding the Word of God, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, God speaking. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. In other words, God's word is powerful, man. It's like a seed. You just got to plant it and watch what God does with it. Some have said that the word of God is like a, is like a lion or a tiger. You don't have to defend it. You just got to open the cage and let it out. It's powerful. But do you believe that? Do you really believe that? 
Does the word of God have the power to transform a life? Hopefully that's your testimony. I remember years back, I was called my first Bible study I ever taught was in a place called Sunrise Assisted Living in California. I had a friend whose mother was in there. She had Alzheimer's. And she was in the Alzheimer's wing, the lockdown, where you know, they had to lock the place for the people's protection. And I just felt you know, that I was called to go there. And um, so I go there, and, and you know, I go there, and I really didn't know what I was getting into, to be honest with you. And I, I walked in the door, and the first thing I saw was this lady walking down the thing with a tie around her neck. She had a man's tie, and she was kind of walking down, just kind of talking, and couldn't understand a word she said. She ended up being at the Bible study, you know, as time went by. But this is the scripture that God gave me. It's like, my word will not return void. All these people had dementia that I was preaching to, and Alzheimer's, and I'm thinking, I'm holding on to this promise. So I'm going to go in there and I'm going to just preach the word of God. It had to be short, you know, 10 minutes at the most, okay? But these, you know, we'd go in there and they'd all be sitting in the living room watching the big God, I called it. It was this huge TV with it in a cabinet. And they'd all be sitting there just after dinner watching the big God, and I'd walk in with, and I had the piano in one hand and the amplifier in the other, come in and we'd just shut the God off. Boom. And they're like captive audience in there. You're like, you know, and, and then, you know, so we sang a few hymns and we, we preached the word. The first week I was there, you know, I'm thinking, well, I, I, just, I just heard Moody, I, something that Moody wrote about, every time you preach, you got to give the gospel out. You know, it's this whole story. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I got to make sure, I, no matter what, when I'm preaching the word, I'm going to give them the chance to receive Jesus. So the first week I go there, I'm preaching out of Matthew, starting at the beginning, went through Matthew. And I gave out the gospel after my 10-minute sermon, if it was that long. And then... I said, now, if you want to receive Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer after me. You know, I'm going to lead him in the sinner's prayer, right? And I, I had the, I'd already had this worked out with the, the person that was playing piano. I said, now, I'm going to say the prayer. I want you to, to say it afterwards. I know you're already saved, but just say it so that people can know what to do. So I did that. I don't know how many people were in the room. I don't know, 10 or 15. Almost every person in that room that day prayed the sinner's prayer. And so I'm like, oh, great. They've got to mention next week it's going to be the same. Every week it's going to be the same thing, right? They're going to, no, serious, I'm thinking that way, right? Leaning on my own understanding, you know? Thinking that way, that, you know, it's going to be the same way. But I'm going, you know, I just said the thing about Moody, I'm going to do it again. So I gave it again. Nobody prayed the second week I went. You know, so I learned some valuable lessons in that place. And one is that the Word of God is powerful. And I do believe that no matter what condition someone's in, on the outside, the spirit of the person is still there. Why would they God allow them to be here? The gospel's powerful. It goes through, you know, just somebody that seemingly doesn't have their faculties. The word of God is spiritual. But I got more confidence in God from that. I got more confidence in his word. I'm like, you wouldn't believe the stuff that went on there. I mean, the way that they acted. But when the word of God came out, there was times when people were like, just riveted, you know, there were a lot of other times there, too, where, you know, but I'm telling you, it's an amazing thing, the Word of God. When you're talking to someone else about the Lord, your testimony, use the Word of God. Use Scripture. There's seeds that are planted. Unlike your words that can come and they blow away, the Word of God is different. It's powerful. And as you see these seeds growing, your confidence in God will increase. Your confidence in God, because that's not of you. The Word of God is not you. The Word of God is the Word of God. It's the written Word. It's God's Word. Your words come and go. 
Sometimes you believe something and you, with all your heart, we had our philosophies of whatever else, and we told people, this is the way, really believe it. And then you read God's word and you go, oh, what was I thinking? You really believe, you were sincere. There's so many people out there that are sincere in the things they believe, but it's not from the word of God. It's not going to stand. God says that the heavens and the earth are going to be gone. They're going to cease to exist, but the word of God remains or abides forever. He says this, he says that he holds his word above his own name. That's what the Bible says that God says about his word. It's important to him. And to get confidence in the Lord, you must have a steady diet of his word. In other words, the seeds planted in your heart so they can bear fruit. It's important. We need confidence in God in these last days, that you can trust him. Now, he says this, so we've got prayer and the word of God. By the way, the second thing he says is, he says, pray that the word of God will run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. In other words, we're going out there, we're giving out the word of God. Pray that it'll just grow, that God will use it powerfully. And then he says, verse 2, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. Paul had opposition in his ministry. The message of Christ has never been a popular one. Jesus died. He set the example because it wasn't a popular message in the first century, and it's not a popular message today. I don't know that it's probably never been a popular message, but there'll be opposition to it. But what do we do? We trust the Lord. And I got to be honest with you, I mean, I know it's, this is, it can be bizarre. I've actually thought, sitting on this platform, to be honest with you, I'm sitting trying to close my eyes and worship the Lord, and like with the rest of you, right? And these thoughts come in. What if somebody comes in here right now, you got your eyes closed and they want to shoot the church? I mean, I know that's bizarre, okay? But we all have bizarre thoughts, don't we? But I'm the pastor here. I feel I have a little bit of a responsibility, maybe a little bit more than the rest of you probably don't, but that's just the way I think, all right? So I got to be honest with you. I thought, well, I'll get a concealed weapon. Maybe I'll probably get one of those. I know it's ridiculous, right? I'll pack. And then I've actually thought this, all right? And I'm thinking, well, somebody weirdo comes in here, and, and I'll probably shoot one of the parishioners, you know? That's probably what would happen. You know, you don't think of that stuff. Well, yeah, I was thinking, no, I'll go to the range, and I'll take lessons, you know? I know, it's ridiculous, right? And I don't go too far in that thinking, because I go real quick, and I go back to Psalm 118, 8, and I think, wait a minute now. You want the confidence of being you and your markmanship? And I'm having a conversation with, what I do, Lord? I mean, we're not, you know, maybe that would happen. And you know what? In the name of Jesus, drop that gun. I'm telling you. I should have more confidence in that than I do my markmanship. Or some other police officer in, the, in here with, that has a, you know, a gun, packing a gun. By the way, I'm not packing. <laughs> no, I thought, think about that. I think it through. Well, I wouldn't tell you guys, right, if I was doing that. Right? But somebody goes to give the pastor a hug. Pastor, what's that? Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm packing, you know. I mean, you're thinking, well, what's he trusting in? I mean, you know, I don't know if that makes you feel more comfortable or less comfortable. Right? He's got a gun, you know. No, it's like, it's ridiculous. Why should I trust in a piece of metal when I can trust in the God of the universe? You know what I mean? Now, I've got to get to the point where I really do that. Not just say it. I can tell you, I mean, when the shooting starts, and literally, even though you were a marksman, you get scared and the bullets start flying everywhere. The idea is with the Lord, 
Here's the difference. When you're trusting in him, man, you get the peace like you do after you've been practicing on the court and you feel like relaxed out there. When you're in the Lord, when you're in that zone, man, doesn't matter what's going around you, you have the peace of God that surpasses understanding. That's the grace of God. That's available to us. And he wants us to know that he protects us. And he says, don't go out and buy a sword or a knife. He says, pray that God will deliver us from unreasonable and wicked men. By the way, that's a quick prayer. In the name of Jesus, that's a quick prayer. Now, I pray that nothing like that ever happens. There's no guarantee, by the way, what any one of us are going to face as God's children. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But the protection comes, God promised to be with me when I go through something. But i got to believe that. i got to believe that. Look what he says in verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. That's one thing we can believe in and bank on. Who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. See, Paul had that confidence in God that he would take care of the church. And we're part of the church, by the way, and God is going to take care of us. In verse 4 he says, and we have confidence in the Lord. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you. And look what he says. This is a mouthful. He says, concerning you both that you do and will do the things we command you. So in other words, he was saying, without violating your free will, God is going to come alongside of you and help you in your obedience. I like that. Without violating your free will. Paul was confident of that. He trusted the Lord. He entrusted that church, that young three-week church, to the Lord. And then he says in verse 5, Now, may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Now, may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of of Christ. He's the director of hearts. How did he want them to be directed, as the father of the faith for them at least, how did he want them to be directed? Into the love of God. Perfect love cast out all fear. You know that God loves you? God loves you. Nothing's going to happen to you that the love of your soul doesn't allow to happen to you. There's always a purpose for the Christian when something happens to us. We may not understand it when it happens. We may never understand it on this side of heaven. He's got something better than understanding for us. He's got the peace that surpasses understanding. That's the guarantee. That's what we can have as we have confidence in him. And he's leading us into the love of God. Leading us into the love of God, which, by the way, is what heaven's going to be all about the new Jerusalem, the place where the love of God is just everywhere, and there's nothing else but that. And then he says, and into the patience of Christ. And some translations say, and I'm, I'm holding on to what they're saying, is that he's talking about the patience of the return of Christ. The King James talks about that, and um, the Amplified Bible translated that way, and some other ones, NASB, I think, translated that way. And this idea, because it fits in the context all through this letter, he's been talking about the return of Christ. And we can have a confidence. We should have a confidence in that. Not knowing when, but it's going to happen. All the things that are in the Word of God are going to transpire. It's just a question of when. And so, because of that, we should have confidence in Him. 
And if your confidence is, is waning a little bit, or if you're lacking in that confidence, what does that look like? Well, you're afraid of things. You're upset by things. You worry a lot. You're stressed out. That's just a fancy word for worry, by the way. If those things are happening in your life, it's because your confidence is not placed in the Lord. It's somewhere else. And today he's saying, I want you to place that confidence in me today. That's a choice you make. Right now, as we finish this thing up, just say, Lord, I want to place my confidence in you. I want to lay my fears down. I want to lay my troubles down. I want to lay my sorrows down. All these things, Lord, I just want to place them at your feet and just have confidence that you're going to take care of them. You're working these things out. This good work that you started, you're going to complete it until that day of Christ Jesus. And, and Lord, you're coming back. And as we see the world get really strange around us, those things are prophesied in the Word. Don't get afraid. Don't be afraid of that. Jesus said to his disciples when he left in John 14, he says, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, I'm not lying to you. And he says, that where I am, you may be also. He was talking about the future. But this idea of God has this whole thing in the palm of his hands. He's got it worked out. He knows the end from the beginning. And when the temptation comes for you to be afraid, or whatever the case is, just let it go. Let down at the foot of the cross, because he's got it all worked out. That's what confidence in Christ or confidence in God looks like. But it comes through prayer, because we're tempted. Through prayer, through his word. Prayer and his word. That should be something that is part of your diet. Live foods. You've heard people say, it's good to eat live foods, right? Have you heard that yet? Anybody heard that? You're going to hear a lot more about that. Not from me, but the world is even coming around. There are things happening in that good, bad, or indifferent, but people are talking about. You're going to have to start putting stuff on your labels, the truth. Just starting. Lawsuits. But the point is, the idea is, eating live foods is good for you. There's nothing more alive than the Word of God that feeds the Spirit. If you don't have a steady diet, you're going to be all dried up and it's just not happening in your life, even as a Christian. It needs to be part of your diet and prayer too. Those two things go hand in hand. Prayer and God's Word will bring confidence in God. We need that in these days. There's much more Pastor Bill Backelman would like to share with you, but we've run out of time for today. This has been another edition of Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Pastor Bill Backelman of Calvary Chapel Coast Lands in Eatontown, New Jersey. Pastor Bill will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of 2 Thessalonians next time. All of Pastor Bill's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at our website, anchoredintheword.com That's anchoredintheword.com While you're at the website you can follow us on Facebook Learn more about Anchored in the Word Calvary Chapel Coast Lands Listen to more of Pastor Bill's messages Learn about other ministries as well as upcoming events and our location That's all available at anchoredintheword.com 
Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Anchored in the Word, we want to say thank you for tuning in. We appreciate all of you that have supported this program. If you're a first-time listener or have been listening for a while, we would love to hear from you. Your testimonies have been a great encouragement to us. If you have an encouraging testimony to share, call us at 732-544-2225. That's 732-544-2225. Now please make plans to join us again for the next study through 2 Thessalonians with Pastor Bill as we stay moored in sound doctrine and anchored in the Word.